Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. All right, welcome in. State of Origin 3 recap show and we'll get, we'll disappoint you straight away. Jared is not on tonight. Uh, Boo. Boo. And it is not because he's so upset about losing the series and it's not because he's done our head in so much that we decided not to invite him to tonight's one. But he'd finally finished travelling around Queensland for his job. Um, He'd gone home and told his missus, I'm not travelling anymore, I'm not doing any of that. He spent too much time away from home. And then he got into work and found out they were sending him to Perth for a week next month. So he had to go home and then tell his missus that. So uh, I told him to wear a crash helmet. Um, we'll see what happens. And he said he'll he'll do his version of things uh, in 10 minutes after the next round. And I think Wells' first reply was, you're going to need more than 10 minutes. So <laughs> if it's uh, your first time listening to Six again, my name's Adam. I'm the Manly Seagulls and Queensland supporter. And I am the bridesmaid um, that always gets a late call up on the show. I'm Wally, Dragons <laughs> we, fan, Queensland fan. We have to initiate you at some point, I think. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what you're referring to. I've been the third wheel. That's what I sort of refer to myself as. Or um, 18th man. You can almost call the 18th oh. man. Someone gets knocked out, I'll come in. There we go. I might just change the podcast name. And so, <laughs> Jared, one of the... Uh, Family members, he's the Newcastle Knights and New South Wales Blues supporter. Uh, he wasn't, let's just say we're all very passionate last night in our group chat. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so obviously we'll break down game three. Uh, we'll break down the Maroons series win. Uh, we've put together our teams, our state of origin teams, combining both teams and picking who we believe is the best player in each position. So we'll compare our three teams. There is a team ranking on NRL.com. I think there was a lot more Queensland voters for that because some Maroons got in there that we both agree definitely should not have got player of the series for their position. Um, We will look at some of the uh, fallout from the game, the fight, some of our fitless comments, a very (laughs) blunt Andrew Johns. Uh, and all that. And then Wall's got an idea of how to make the Wally Lewis medal maybe, I wouldn't say clearer, but definitely more incentive. Oh, maybe not incentive. I don't think there's incentive needed, but to think reward it's players yeah. on the losing yeah. side more who have good games. There we go. Yeah, rewards. Yeah. Rewards exactly the word. Yep. Yeah, cool. There we go. Um, and then we'll get on to the news coming out of the Tigers uh, with the reinstatement of Tim Sheens uh, as coach. And our preview of round 18 will probably be a little more brief than normal based on how long the Origin Talk goes for. So to kick off, though, we will wrap up the footy tipping from the weekend. So this was the buy round, the split round, so the four games plus State of Origin. And Easy Rider 22, the only one in the comp to get a full round. So pick the four winners as well as Queensland. So got the bonus point there for six points. 
And there were a number of you, one, two, three, four, five, six, who got four out of five. Uh, and that could have been oh, a 50-50 split of those not picking Queensland or probably the Dragons-Broncos game. Or not tip, tip in Melbourne over Sharks. Maybe. Yeah, they'd probably be the, the three, but we'll see. And then there was a bunch on three. So what does that do the total overall score? Uh, tightens it up by a point. So Rocking Horse Road was going into this round with a two-point lead, uh, now one. So 109, the underscore Irk on 108, Reggie Sidestep and myself on 107, and then a two-point gap to Timbo 21 on 105. Uh, so that's the top five at the moment. Uh, coming into the last, what, eight rounds of the season? Six rounds, of, seven rounds, something like that. Two, eighteen, Yeah, seven rounds of the season. Yeah. All righty. There's 25 rounds in there. We're yeah, is this round 18? Yeah. So that'll be the 17 gone to the date left. Yeah, mate. There we go. Sweet. Last third of the season. We'll call it that. Fast math. <laughs> All right. Say oh, actually, before we get said origin, the curtain raises uh schoolgirls under 18s. There was the combined New South Wales ACT team taking on the Queensland schoolgirls team. First time this uh, has happened in the history of, well, starting the history of Australian schoolgirls. Queensland took that one out 30 to 6. It's actually been quite hard to get a whole lot of detail uh, out of the match. It's, it's hard to say disappointing. We would have liked more of it, but with how game three went down, uh, you can't blame the NRL for having that as the highlight because it was a match unlike any I think we've ever seen uh, for a number of reasons. So congratulations to the under-18 no, uh, Queensland team. And we're hoping that in our wrap-up show of round 18, we'll have the Australian school girls team um, that we can read the team list out for. Uh, so congratulations to Queensland there. And just a shout out to a young Palmwoods Devil that was part of the Queensland under-18s, Nancy Sullivan. Uh-huh. So good to see Good to see someone from the, our local club, you know, yep. getting through the ranks and fingers crossed in a few years' time, we might see a run around the NRLW for the Dragons, of course. Yeah. Of course. So <laughs> not that I've put a YouTube clip up or a Spotify video clip up for ages, but I might do it for this one just so you can see the Palmwoods jersey up there on the wall behind me. Um, yep. Love playing in that jersey. And she's one of, I believe, five, five children have gone through Palmwoods Devils. And we shared an article of her on our Facebook page as well. So congratulations, Nancy. And also Marissa Nicholson uh, from Gympie State High School. So the opposing public school to the one I teach up in Gympie. So two girls from the Sunshine Coast region uh, making that team. So congratulations. All righty. Uh, where do we want to start? It was... Last night's match was just, uh, I know, it was incredible. I'm trying to find the, the final comment that I put up there after the emotion had died down somewhat. I, don't, I still don't think I got to bed till after, like actually got to sleep till after midnight. I had to just yeah, same. watching. I was just completely amped up. But I think, uh, there we are. I, I ended up writing, what did we just witness tonight? Absolutely incredible. Both states were epic. They were tough, tough, 
un, that tough, uncompromising, skillful desire on both sides, just incredible. It was a match unlike any we've seen. Well, that I can remember anyway for for, for a while, yeah. It um just from the last minute, like in the, in the first, like I know, like the the first four, you, you remember the three knockouts essentially, mm. but that first offensive set from Queensland, like yeah. it wasn't like you like you you look forward to the first hit, like the first hit up of Origin, but mm. it was the entire set was just contact, and it was to the first five minutes, and then I think. Once that third knockout happened, maybe everyone was like, maybe we just need to settle down a bit or else we won't be able to field a team. Um, it was, yeah, there was no self-preservation at all. Um, obviously, you don't want to see that many head knocks, but it was just through sheer desire and people wanting to make an impact on the game and an impression on the game. Um, yeah. That's what I, you want to see. That's, that's, like that's what Origin... That's one Absolutely. of the, the cornerstones of it. It's that intensity, that desire. And you, I've had a little bit of hit back when um, I say games in round 14 don't matter. Um, I think last night was an example of some of my reasoning behind that. It's not that they don't matter. I just don't care about a game in round 14 if my team loses by 30 or whatever. By the end of the season, that's what I care about. In Origin, every single game, the stakes are so high, and that's why we get the contests that we do. Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple of comments online about first game of the league I've watched in ages. This is the reason why I'll never have my kids play it. No regard for safety. And I was like, oh, and I've used the word outlier a bit lately. Yeah. I don't remember a game I've ever watched where three players have been knocked out in the first three or four minutes. And also rugby league at the junior levels, especially prep six, seven-year-olds is one of the safest sports. So it's completely different. So there's people who just look into that a bit more before they made those comments. Um, yeah, like there's... The thing is, right, just, just, on, just on that, right, like this, that, just that comment in itself shits me because yeah. there are people that don't even watch the game yeah. that are just trying to bring the game down. That's all they're trying to do. Like, they're, they're never going to let their kids play anyway because they don't watch, they don't follow the sport. So, misconception like it's just, just, exactly we'll call it the Cherry um, Evans effect yeah. <laughs> well, we, like, we're talking about, we'll get to that about the uh, negatives versus the positives and opinions uh, I, it sickens me the more like, the older you get you understand your feelings more when Cam Murray went down with the concussion you, you're not happy about it but there was the maroon part of me going oh things just got a bit easier for Queensland and I felt that, and like, if Murray's out, and then literally a minute and a half later, I went, okay, that's karma straight away for me, feeling like that's <laughs> down inside, because then the Cobo one into Carrigan's hip, like Carrigan hit everything in sight last night, uh, unfortunately, including his own teammate. And then the Lindsay Collins one, man, that was a, that was instantaneous. And yeah, obviously the right what calls were made with all three. Yeah, and... Once again, right, this is another, like it sort of takes you back to the crackdown last year, right? And they were saying, we have to get rid of the crackdown because it's there's too many HIAs. Mm-hmm. Two of the three last night were friendly fire. Yeah. And then the other one was just bad tackling technique. Had nothing to do with yeah. high shots. So like, 
it just goes to show that there's so many more ways to get a head knock in the game rather than just foul play. Yes. And for those like that, those people commenting, how far we've come, you think back to Dallas Johnson and that famous origin game where he was knocked out on the first play or first tackle he made really, and then came back to play the second half. There's no way that's happening (laughs) anymore. Um, And that's in footballing terms, it's still recent history. It was a decade ago. I'm not good with dates, but anyway. Uh, And then already, well said they eased up a bit. I think even a bit is an exaggeration. There was some easing up, but I think they put the Telstra tracker stat up or whatever. But the intensity per the intensity, minute. Yeah, 86 metres yeah. per minute is the NRL average, I think. And yep. then game two was 96 metres and this one was 106 metres a minute. So basically, on average, the players are travelling uh, 20 metres up more per minute than they usually would as a collective. I think that's how they calculate it. Yeah. I guess the I guess what I meant more so by easing up, it was probably to do with they channeled that intensity a bit smarter. Yes. Like yeah, cool. There was still the there was still the line speed, there was still the contact, but it wasn't just recklessly throwing <laughs> yourself in just to try to destroy someone or yourself. Like it was like it was a kamikaze mission, right? Like oh. um yeah, some of those ones were just... I don't know what Billy Slater yeah, said and, and what Fittler said because credit to New South Wales, Queensland's first offensive set as well mentioned, there was no let-up and then the ball went down the other end and New South Wales did the same thing and it was it was just absolute carnage. And then yeah. from then on... Oh, honestly, I'm sitting on, and I messaged the boys in the group chat. I'm like, this is lined up pretty well for New South Wales. I think they already had a slight edge going in this one, uh, obviously without Munster and um, Tulangi and Oates coming in and all that sort of stuff. And then with two players being down, Queensland down to 15, New South Wales down to 16. I'm looking at Queensland's bench going, well, there's Harry Grant and there's Tino. Yeah, for Parley's not going to play many minutes. Uh, sorry, Tino had already come on, hadn't he? Yeah. Yeah, because Kate will have a shift. And then, yeah. It's Harry Grant and Jai Arrow. Jai Arrow, yeah. I'm going, oh man, there's, I'm trying to work out the rotation in my head. Like, Papali's going to need a rest. Is Carrigan going to play 80 straight? Ended up being uh, Tom Gilbert on debut, playing 78 minutes straight after coming on two minutes into the game. Actually, no, yeah, he went on, didn't he? He went into the back row. Catewell went to centre for Cobo. And then, yeah. um, and then Tino came, Tino on came for, off to Collins. Yeah. Tom Gilbert, yeah. what what a debut. He, he was – He, I said, like, he had origin written all over him when he got named. Um, he He's coming into his own this year at the Cowboys, and he ripped in. He, he didn't let anything go. He, he was outstanding, I thought. Um, yeah, he did exactly every... what you'd, you'd expect of him, right? Yes, he's he's already to me. Him and Cotter have solidified origin positions moving forward, despite only playing one game each in the series. I just and it goes to show what a what a pickup it is from Redcliffe. Yeah, oh, sorry, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. There we go. They had to North Queensland had to something had to give. Their their young back row stocks are intense, uh, immense, 
plus Leilua. Um, it's an embarrassment of riches in that position. And in order to be able to stay strong in that position, they had to do that. But anyway, from then on, it was, I don't even know how to, the, the game itself was almost a blur because the intensity was there, the passion was there, and the game was so tight the whole way through that first half that it was, what, 6-4, sorry, end up 12-10 at halftime. 12-10. Um, Val Holmes getting across for a try off a Tommy Dearden short ball and that cowboy connection coming to the fore and Dearden, uh, whose quote was it? He was five foot tall walking. He's five foot tall. Yeah, Cooper Crump, but he looked, he walked in looking seven foot tall. It wasn't, he wasn't going to be shy away. And he did, I think, what we talked about leading into it. He just had to run, run first. And he did. And then his passing game came along. And um, the line that Holmes ran made it easy for him. Uh, Queensland got off to the lead and things were looking good. Uh, Cleary looked a little bit off to start with. And then he came back with that deft little grubber kicking behind the line after kicking one too hard a couple of sets earlier and Jerome Luai getting through despite a nudge from Cherry Evans fell over and um, grounded the ball and then New South Wales probably had their best period of the game well, in my opinion for the next say 10 to 12 minutes and they capped it off with Jacob Saifidi just monstering over underneath the post again with a slight little deaf step off his foot um, to run past I think it was Gilbert. Kil- yeah, Gilbert and then Harry Grant trying to come across and cover and um, I don't think it had the same feeling of game two, but this was the first time New South Wales had that run. And if you remember back to game two, Queensland took the lead. New South Wales scored and then kind of didn't stop scoring. Well, all right, Queensland had the lead. New South Wales have scored two tries in a row. Are Queensland going to be able to stem this? Are they going to be able to stop it like they couldn't in game two? And credit to them, they did. They held out and the then... Um, the last oh, yeah. 10 minutes of the first half was like that, that set the game up. Yeah, it was vital. You're, you're exactly right. New South Wales had all the running. They That mm-hmm. set that, as soon as Saifidi came, like. He ran over as, the top of. Uh, that's that's as good a 15 minute stint you'll ever see from a debutant. Like, mm-hmm. what do you have at half time? He had 97 meters, five tackle busts, and a try in 17 minutes. Yeah. Like, he, they couldn't tackle him. He was, just, he was whoever was making first contact was getting bumped off, and um, like he, I didn't think he had that in him. I, I, I questioned his selection, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like that's that's one that Freddie got right. Like he, he was close to their best last night. Um, but yeah, that I, I remember sitting there because I what they scored like the 29th minute or something like that, the second try. Yeah, 30, and, they scored 18th and 31st. Yeah, yeah, 30. Yeah. Yep, so. I just felt I'm like even if it's twelve six at half time, I'm happy with that because mm. we just need to we just need to stem the bleeding, like just get ourselves back into the arm wrestle because we're not going to win in a shootout, right? They've got more strike across the park. We need to play it in a tight, you know, grind amount style of game. Um, they helped us with probably some ill discipline. Jake Boyevich of all people gave away a couple of penalties yeah. late in yeah. the first half, and it just sort of allowed us to just get because we were, we were pinned on our line and it's exactly what they did to us in game two we couldn't get out of our 20 30 and we got those couple of piggybacks and then that led to 
Jerry Evans bomb. putting that kick, yeah. put that bomb up and to like people were spraying Tupo for it. Like he, he got himself into a bit of a mess, but the positioning of that kick, like he would have had no idea where the sideline was. It probably was just going to land in. Um, and yeah, then like Harry Grant's little pirouette grubber. As, I think and that, that put, what made that, that even down better. From well. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that put down from Kate. Well, like you see people bounce that nine times out of ten. He had two guys diving either side of him mm. and somehow grounds that. Like it wasn't like it was already on the ground, like Will was. It was off the ground and he's controlled that all the way down. Um, and then he got up with the two arms up yeah. flats. And what, yeah. what impressed me the most about that Harry Grant play was and I don't I don't think I've seen uh, a replay from front on, but I'd really like to, to see where he's looking. Because 100% he knew that Tedesco was at marker or just, just off marker. So as soon as he started to the open side, he knew he was going to bait Tedesco into moving that way to cover it. And then that pirouette. And you can see from the replay, the kick didn't go where he directed it. I think he was more aiming towards the wings. It bounced off uh, Luai and then bounced forward, which assisted Catewell. But that's that rugby league IQ of knowing where the opposition is on the field, who, and Tedesco is one of the best in the league at, at picking up bouncing balls and grubbers. And we saw that in the second half with a couple of Cherry Evans that didn't quite go into the in goal. Um, and then, yeah, Val Holmes, that was quite a miss because he's one of the straightest goal kickers. He, he mm. usually kicks that in his sleep. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that had Queensland into the break down by two points. And on that, so just on that, yeah. just on the Kate World trial, I was listening to, um, I think it's the captain's run. It's Cam Smith and Dean Kemp yeah. do a radio show. And um, Danny Kemp was like, Oh, did he learn that one? Did he learn that one from you? He's like, Oh, God, no. Um, and he's like, It's actually Billy Slade, I took play. So um, just goes to show, I guess, the sometimes like it, it is just individual brilliance that comes up mm-hmm. with that sort of stuff. But someone might slide it just to identify that and, you know, trust the players to pick the right moment. That's the thing. It's not yeah. something that it's not something you'd be able to do five times a game. You've got to pick no. your moment. And, um, and to be, to be honest, Tedesco read it well, like he, yes. he started sliding, but as soon as Grant stepped back the other way, he was there, but obviously he's in the line. So not, not quite there to clear it up, but yeah. It shows um, Tedesco's instincts. At that, at that point in time, it had a bit of a game two feel, but mm. the other way around, like New South Wales scored right on half time um, in game two to, to get the lead. And you just sort of felt, you felt New South Wales sort of just get a little bit deflated. Like they dominated the majority of that first half. And then we sort of finished with a late flurry to, to well, we didn't even scores up, but we were right back in it. Um, so, yeah, it was just that Queens, Queensland's resolve, which they did in large periods of game two, um, but they were able to, they were out on their feet. Like they, yeah. how they managed to keep it at 12-6 um, was amazing. And then to finish it off like that, that, that's, I think that's where the game was really set up. Yeah. And, and even at halftime, half of me was going, it's great only being down two points. Another part of me is going, how much is that first half taken out? And with the intensity, mm. uh, Grant was on by this stage, obviously, with the kick. Um, Arrow was on. So 
No, Aaron, Aaron hadn't come on yet. Didn't he? He didn't come on for like the 50 minute mark. So he didn't come in time for stuff. Oh, dang. So that's how wrapped up I was um, in things. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I heard Slater say, because I interviewed him after the halftime chat, and he said, yeah, there's some tired boys in there, but he's like, we, we only used three interchanges in that first half. So, you know, they've got that up. They've got five up their sleeve. And once again, that's smart coaching, right? Like, get your guys to halftime, reset, and then when you need the fresh legs late in the game, that's when you make the changes. And I think that's – he sort of didn't just go in with a – with a plan and yeah. say, oh, no, well, even though we've had two HIs, I need to get this guy off at this time. Because like, they wouldn't count was... as interchanges, though, would they? Because they're HIAs. So if he'd used that um, three, so... Arrow would have had to come on. He, nah, so I think partly, they, I think they partly wouldn't have been able to play the – partly didn't play the 40 minutes. I think they count as one sub. But, like, if, you, if they come back on, it only counts as one substitution as well. So if they don't come back on, I think it still counts as a sub. Yeah, but Papali had to have come off in the first half. He didn't play 40 he minutes. He did. So he ca- so he only played 20 minutes so, in his first stint. Yeah, that's when Harry Grant came on and, and Hunt moved to the middle. Oh, and right. then t- t- Tino, Tino came on for Collins. And then, so I think the way the HA works is it's a sub if they don't come back on because obviously it, oh, okay, yeah. you've substituted cool. someone. And then if, if they go off for a HI and come back on, it's still only one substitution. Oh, there you go. See? Or you learned something. <laughs> I think so. I'll go with that. <laughs> we, don't have, we, don't have the, we don't have the information here to correct me, so that's that's what we're rolling with. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so 12 10 at half time. Um I'm trying to trying to even like gather my thoughts here. Oh, I think at this Play stage one. the the the, the first, oh, I was going to say, still talking about half, like the first half. Yeah, like what where, where the game was kind of sitting um, yeah, at the right, start yeah, of the yeah. second half. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. New South Wales slightly ahead on the scoreboard. Uh, both teams pretty even with the game flow so far, uh, with Queensland with a slight uh, taking more positive positivity into half time. Obviously, coming that close to tying it up. Um, after kind of stemming the flow of New South Wales. So second half was a little bit of a different story. Alrighty. So the second half started with a bang. We're going to have to flip back to something that happened earlier in the first half with the Sel and Cobo uh, concussion. Now, uh, Dane Gagai is not the most popular figure for New South Wales fans. And understandable, he's one of the players that can get in under your skin. But... When Selwyn Cobbo was concussed, there was a moment where Jerome Luai came and stood over the top, even though he had nothing to do with the tackle, um, stood over the top of Cobbo yelling down to him what he was saying. Not sure, but you could try and read his lips if you want to. Yeah, I'm sure Um, you could fill in the blanks. Yeah, Cobbo (laughs) was obviously concussed. It was not a... He's come in and said, I didn't know he was knocked out. He... He was lying dead flat, still right in the middle of a ruck where people were falling over. But if you haven't seen the image, there's one going around. Dane Gago was one of the first ones in. And he is bending down over the top of Cobo to protect him from the legs and feet and bodies all around him because Queensland came in to protect their 
play and retaliate, then New South Wales was doing the same to protect and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there was some feeling there based solely off Luai's actions. Um, there's no feeling out of the tackle because it was friendly fire and there's nothing illegal in the tackle. So I'd say one of the plays you probably don't want to roll up to Gagai. Um, but anyway, it came to a head in the second half. So what had happened, New South Wales had had the ball, they'd finished the set, um, they'd kicked it back and then Queensland got the ball and um, it was literally off the kickoff. It was, we had the ball, they kicked off to us. It was the very first set of the second half. Then how, I'm trying to think of how Ponga was. We went, we went, the, we went the short side and then Cherry Evans went back inside ball and Ponga burst through. Yeah, that's it. And that's and it. Ponga he, made that break. He passed, right. he passed it on, he passed on to Harry Grant. Yeah. So Ponga was still on the ground after Tedesco tackled him and Matt Burton running back on side. Knocked him over. Cleaned him up. Yeah, I don't think there was much in it, to be honest, but um, he wasn't trying to get out of his way. But I think Ponga, like he wasn't, he wasn't running directly at Ponga. Ponga sort of got up. Which he had every right to do. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, absolutely. But Ponga, um, he was just, Ponga was just trying to get back towards the ball. Yeah, if Ponga was, was, if Ponga continued to travel in the direction he was going, he was getting himself set back up to be a receiver off the next ruck. Uh, he ended up not being Burton's there because Burton yeah. cleaned him up. I think Matt Burton was just going direct line back to yeah. where he needed to get to. I don't think there was much in it at all, but Dan Gago, I thought otherwise. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah, it's fair whether it's incidental or not with Burton, but it's the same thing. It's taking someone out who's in an attacking position. He was doing it also from an offside position. Um, he had to obviously get all the way back to get onside. So I was looking at that first. That's the first thing I noticed. And then Gagai ran in. And by that stage, I'd missed it live because Cherry Evans uh, had seen space in the backfield and Chip and Chase um, got through, grubbed it again. And I don't think we've ever seen a full replay of how close he was. I don't think he got <laughs> changing the They kept changing the angle to yeah. um, show the the fight and I'm going and Cherry like half the Maroons are celebrating down there and they're looking around where the hell's everyone else and then then the camera's caught up went back to the end of the fight by that stage players on the ground Tino grabbing Burton in a headlock which he's uh been slammed with um and then the camera's caught up Burton's got blood all over his face and gay guy's breathing heavily and we're like what the hell just happened and then, yeah, when they showed the replay, um, Gagai didn't take too kindly to Burton knocking over Ponga, ran in and took Burton out. Um, thinking of that, anyway, Burton was still in an offside position, so it's kind of funny because what they say in the commentary. Um, it's they're basically saying that Gagai started it because he ran out of the way to basically start the altercation yeah which no. i like i i honestly i think it was the right call like yeah i, I think burton's was incidental gag guy yeah. has literally come out of the way yeah it was essentially just like chest to the ground and then so this is the, the thing that really gets me is freddie freddie saying that back to like matt burton's 100 percent in this thing matt could have got up said the guy and kept running back to defend 
he started running towards Dane Gagai. Yes. And Gagai wasn't, wasn't taking a backward step. Yeah. They both threw the first punch at the same time. Yeah. And Freddie's trying to say that he was just trying to defend himself. Fuck off, Freddie. Honestly, mate. Like, every time they lose, he's got an issue with the decision that's been made. Fuck, honestly, just eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, anyway. And I, then- <laughs> I thought Gagai's decision to run in and hit Burton, well, like, knock him over, not here, but, yeah, knock him over, was dumb because yeah. if he had any sense of what was going on in the game, Queensland had a scoring opportunity, and if he'd stayed on his wing, he would have been in a better opportunity as well to assist with the try because the ball was in the backfield. But I don't even know if he saw the whole thing of what happened with Ponga. He just turned around and probably saw his teammate on the ground and Burton running off, maybe, who knows. Yeah. Uh, and he went in. And then once he'd knocked him on the ground, yeah, he did turn around to go start going back in position. And whether Burton said something or whether it was just Burton going back towards him in that direction, that got Gagai to stop again and come back. Well, I guess we won't know until one of them come out and say something or someone else says something. But, yeah, yeah. then from there it was on between the two. And we haven't seen fisticuff like that in a fair while. And the fact that they both escaped with fines, I love this origin system. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't many connecting, to be fair. Well, Bert, but uh, insane, Diego got one. Uh, in saying that, though, like they're all blowing about up about Tino. Yeah, Matt Burton should be sending Tino a, a card with some thank you flowers because if Tino didn't drag him and then put him in that headlock, I think he's getting KO'd by Gaga because Burton didn't look like connecting one of those. And and the thing that everyone's like, oh, he's two against one. He's put him in a headlock. At no stage, once he was in the headlock, did Gagai punch him. No. Tino was holding him by here. They're both still swinging at each other. The moment he had him here, Gagai didn't throw another punch. He, no. he essentially stopped the fight. He stopped the fight. Yeah. Probably not in the, most, not in the uh, no. cuddliest way he could have. And I think he was... He was a man like, of the mission all night, Tino. He, he oh, he was. That's the Tino we wanted to see in the first two. And with, with the impact, maybe not in that way. Because uh, I think he was quite lucky himself not to be um, Being, well, in more trouble than the following facts. He was put on report, I believe, and that's what the... Uh, that was that was for an earlier high shot. Which oh, that's that, right, the swinging arm. Which, yeah, no, that was definitely... Which yeah, was yeah. on Burton as well. Yeah, that was yeah. on Burton as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. I'm getting, getting all that stuff mixed up. So from then on, New but, South Wales ended up getting the penalty for... Yeah. Gay guy coming over. It was literally the first time when he knocked Burton on the ground. That's what the penalty ended up being for out of everything. I'm here going, come on, man. He took Ponga out. Every week in the NRL, that's a penalty, regardless of whether it's incidental or not. But it's all good. Let's let's give New South Wales a penalty. Um, I didn't that comment. <laughs> sorry? No, he did not. Uh, I got mostly <laughs> agreement, actually, online. And even from New South Wales supporters, once they'd come down a little bit. And... And you said that I didn't turn it into anything um, from there. And the rest of the half, especially with the uh, with Harry Grant scheming around the ruck, and I did get honestly worried when Damien Cook was injected, expected him to do a bit more, and he, he did try. But it felt slowly but surely Queensland were on top and getting on top. And by the end of the half, 
it almost felt like it was Queensland dominance. Statistically, it wasn't. It was except for one set of where the game was being played, and it was generally in New South Wales half. And New South Wales' defence was incredible. Uh, it, it took repeat sets. It took some awesome footwork from Callum Ponga um, to break the line. A lot of near, and, a lot of near misses too. Yeah, I a lot of near misses. Had, what we, we had three tries over time like by the yeah. bunker. Yeah. And then a couple of forward passes. Like, and, and it was a forward pass. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, both of them were. Both of them were. Uh, Kalen Ponga, oh, when after Cobo had gone off and Gagai had shifted to the wing, if he'd stayed on the yeah. wing, he would have had a try with the open line. Kalen Ponga threw it to where the yeah. winger would be. Uh, Gagai was in field by about what, eight metres or something. So that ball sailed across. <laughs> There's another one there. Yeah, still playing centre. That's what I thought he was doing. That's what I think he was doing. Papali scored two tries, both for that ended up coming back for knock-ons. I was like, I wonder if he'll get a hat-trick of not tries all from knock-ons. Uh, but you'd see Jeremiah Nanai was a target all, all night. Uh, and that one where Cherry Evans shaped a pass left and propped back for that little pop-up there, he almost got to it. Uh, he put enough pressure on Tuo, who knocked on as well, but obviously Nanai did first. Um, what other chances were there? Then there was a Stephen Crichton one where Queensland were really on top defensively and Crichton had done so well to get out of the in goal or away from the in goal, I should say. An awesome run and then panicked and threw the ball over his head and um, uh, who got back? To save it, uh, I can't remember. No, Tupo. It was Daniel Tupo. Yeah, Tupo got back and no, just no, in time. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Sorry, no, it wasn't. It was um, it must have been yeah, it must have been Crichton because Tupo was still on the line. He was like trying to hold Queensland defenders back. No, Crichton's the one who passed it back. No, oh, the other Crichton. Yeah, the other Crichton course. Oh, um, and then oh, okay. yeah, I think it was yeah, and then um to stop Oates there, and eventually it told and Pat Ponga was Queensland's best all night, and even coming out of his own half, he looked. Like he could break the line, he ended up doing it on a couple of occasions. And in this time, um, who was the pass off? Jerry Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was listening out, out the back play, yeah. and he just took it to the line. Ball in hand, eh? Ball out in yeah. front. It's the first thing he taught as a ball player. Freezes Two the hands defensive on the ball line. out in front. Yeah. And New South Wales, it, it that put Queensland up 14 12 and 16 12. And watching so much sport, and I don't know why the commentators don't talk about this more, but there seems to be those games where one team just has all the possession, the territory, possession, territory, and that's what it feels like, but they don't do anything with it. And the other team just comes out and scores out of nowhere and ends up taking the game. And that's what, to me, it felt like. Queensland were up 16-12, and I'm going, they need another try to, to, to get ahead. New South Wales are too good that they can turn a try on out of nowhere, especially with Tedesco, Cleary, uh, Cook now on the field fresh or fresher than most. Especially yeah. after all the near misses as well. Yes. Because it just for every, like it was the, we just, we're up, we're up by two tries, we're up by two tries. Then like the emotional roller yeah. coaster of thinking you've got, got in front, then okay, it's still four points, still four points. Um and it just felt like that Valentine Holmes miss was going to come back and haunt us. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, but the, as soon as he missed that kick, I was like, that could be an important two points. Um, 
And then especially when we're up by four and, and then New South Wales were working their way back into it, right? Yes. Like they, they were getting closer and closer to the halfway line. And then, you know, just felt, especially once Cook was out there, because once Cook gets out of dummy half, Tedesco gets going. And they split the Queensland think, line quite a bit, especially on Capewell's side where he was defending in the centres. Uh, yep. Some players were coming up, some were moving back, and there was space in and around. There was a couple of just last grass tackles from different players. Uh, I think that's where Carrigan was really noticed. There was a set where he made three in a row, uh, tackle, and was just smothering. People like he smothered Cleary mm. to prevent any offload. He did it again to Tedesco as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I think they I, got I, the... Yeah. I think they got the Damien Cook substitution all wrong. They, you know, like we spoke about this after game one and what we said about Billy Slater was he didn't wait for something to happen, right? He, he didn't like what was happening in that first 20, 25 minutes of the, of game one. He made something happen. He got Carrigan and Grange out there and they changed the game. Yes. New South Wales were on top in the first half hour, but, they had a chance to put Queensland away in that last 10 minutes before halftime. And yes, Chorus, yeah, had nice, nice work out of dummy half to put Saifidi over, but Queensland were gassed. That's the time to get Cook out there. Like, if imagine, like, they were rolling. Saifidi was busting tackles. No one could put him on the ground. Imagine Cook coming off the back of that. Like, that was the I don't want to imagine period. that and as a road support. No. Like, and then the thing is, Cook's going to be the one that gets criticised after all this because he came on with less than 30 minutes to go. And it's going to look like he did nothing. But look where the game was played when he was out there. He was defending on his line. And then they were coming off their line that entire half. I don't yeah. think he, he would have got maybe two or three play the balls in, in the opposition half when he was out there. Yeah, and on the front foot. Uh, yeah. No, they're all really good points. I think one of the notes I've got down here, Slater was brilliant with his bench rotation. And I think he was he was quite good throughout the series, even in game two, he didn't back away from what he was doing in the other, in game one. Uh, it's just New South Wales played almost a, a perfect half of origin football in the second half. Mm. Uh, and did, did we mention that they had the ball for 12 more minutes in game two? And that's an outlier? I think, I think we mentioned and it was an outlier, yeah, because uh, this game almost uh, felt like that, but the other way, but we'll talk about the stats in a moment. And this was an even game across the board, bar three areas. Um, which is incredible because watching that second half, it felt like Queensland had all the ball, had all the territory, had all the possession. They finished with a 52-48 possession split, which is a standard and what, what you see in NRL. It, it wasn't like, like, yes, we were dominating field position and it felt like we always had the ball down there end, but it's not like we were getting three, four sets in a row. It was, no, we'd turn the ball over down there. We'd turn the ball over in there on their trial line and then they had to come off or, you know, if they had a good set, we'd be kicking on second and third tackle, Ben Hunt, DCE. Ben Hunt got that 40-20. DCE had a couple of 40, 50-metre kicks just to get it down the other end. So we're yeah. going to play it down there. We've got the lead. And if we're going to make a mistake, we want to make it down your end. Um, yeah. A couple of and, kids and, and the pressure, the pressure yeah. worked too. Because yes. you look at, you look at, where the errors were made by New South Wales, they were inside their own 40. You had yeah. Crichton throw that off offload to no one. You had Luai go for a miracle cutout ball, go into touch. Talakai made a couple errors, one coming off his line, second one trying to get a quick play of the ball because nothing was happening and he played the ball sideways. Like, oh, that was, was all when they were attacking, wasn't it? 
They're finally attacking up there and playing uh, sideways. I think it was I think it was on on like just over the halfway line, maybe. Yeah. But it was probably on like four tackles or something. And the commentators but, had no idea um, what it was because they were talking while the referee they're trying said to what say the call was it the, was. Yeah, like what was that a penalty? because uh, yeah. he's facing the sideline. He didn't knock it on. Yeah. Anyway, um, but and this is what I was trying to say to Jared, right? Like, yes, New South Wales in game two. New South Wales earned a lot of the things yeah. because they made Queensland come off their line. And then because Queensland were gassed and they were chasing points, they were forcing things yeah. and making errors. And that's why they got so much ball. Like that's that's how football works. Mm-hmm. If you play field position and teams can't get out of their half, they're going to try things and they're either going to come off or they're not. And mm-hmm. last night, the New South Wales probably their inexperienced players panicked because and like I'm not like they've, they've played big games like Crichton obviously came up with a big play in the grand final last year Luai was a part of that grand final winning team but they they almost looked like they were trying to find the not the miracle play but they were trying to take the the easy route like they didn't want to tuck it up and and do the hard things like Crichton should have been he that hit up before he threw the offload back into the end goal he busted three tackles, got went about ten meters. He should have just been like, "All right, get a quick play ball, get a quick play ball, and then go from there. Not be a hero and just throw something where you're not even looking out the back." But that's and you hear, and it's one of the biggest things that you hear, hear Billy Slater say: the one percent players, right? Like you, you do the little things that become big plays. The, they, the Valentine home scramble to keep the ball. Um, that's <laughs> in the field. I don't know. That was I don't incredible. know what's happened in in the off season, but his his speed and everything it's back to when he left, like before he left mm. to go to the NFL. He's it's, just explosive. Yeah, he's he's moment. been incredible this year. And DC had a couple of uh, grubbers up New South Wales end where he didn't get what he, he didn't get the purchase on him that he wanted, and that to me, uh, Walt said before we started recording there's certain players in certain sports where their mistakes get amplified a lot more than their positive displays and cherry evans is one of them and i think it stems all the way back to the titans manly backflip contract thing <laughs> and some people some reason people link that with his performances he didn't get the purchase on that he want because in my opinion, it was still credit to New South Wales. Despite Maroons being on top at that stage, they were still getting off the line at him, at least, and forcing him to either change angle or take an extra step beforehand. Um, and in the back of my head going, I'd prefer that to be in the in goal, obviously, mm-hmm. try and get a drop out. But to me, that's the second best option. Then picking the ball up a metre out, I'd prefer that than it being kicked dead and giving them seven. Um, so New South Wales pressure, Cherry Evans' mistakes, either or, uh, not mistakes, just not executing as well as he wanted, mm. still ended up working in Queensland's favour, uh, I believe, in the end, because of where New South Wales are having to come from. And then this one, one of my favourite stats of this game, one where New South Wales dominated, was bombs. Uh, they kicked 11 bombs. Queensland kicked one, and that was Cherry Evans to Tupo, and it got a result, and Queensland scored on the next set. New South Wales kicked 11, and... I don't understand how that works, because we put those sort of bombs up for Nanitis to go through. No, because they, they were like, 
they weren't full. The Cherry Evans one was more of a chip. They weren't. Right. They weren't like. What about the one in the first half when um, Nanai jumped up and then knocked it on and Papali came through? Uh, I'm assuming they. But yeah, I do know what you mean. Like the. Oh, sorry. It's one to eight. Gun... It was one to eleven last night. Yeah. So Queensland kicked one bomb. New South Wales kicked eleven, as per the stats that they recorded. Yeah. Twenty-six kicks to Queensland, twenty-five to New South Wales. The kicking meters was the difference. So, eight hundred and twenty meters, the Maroons gained through kicks. Five hundred and seventy-nine for the Blues. So it's an extra 250, 260 metres that the Blues are having to run the ball out yet overall or run the ball after catching it. 140-20 for Queensland. The kick diffusal for both teams is pretty bad, 60% for Queensland, but 33% um, for New South Wales. I mean, out of the 26 kicks, that was only diffused, what, eight of them-ish or nine um, in a positive sense. But... Out of all those kicks that they did, it ended up being a attempted cleary chip back through the middle, which when I saw what he was about to do, I was actually quite worried because Tedesco was there, Luai was there, and then Hunt went up for the charge down, ended up with the ball. And what did he say after the game? My little pig trotters. He saw a Ford, I saw a Ford chasing me, but these little trotters. Um, the pig trotters. Pig trotters just got me there when he saw Isaiah Yo who was awesome again for New South Wales. He, he didn't give up on anything. And you could see, I think, in the last two metres before the line, the, the disappointment on yeah, yeah, that, on Yao's face for not getting there, um, despite making such an effort. And Hunt, I don't know how he had the energy left after that to, like, score the try and then get up and throw the ball. And that was just pure elation. I was just... Mate, I I don't think I've ever wait. I don't think I've ever been happier for uh, individual. And I know this is going to this is dragon flies, right? Like, but obviously Ben Hunt, yeah, what been at the club since twenty eighteen. He's been our captain for the last two years, and the last two years he's been the heart and soul of our team. And whenever he plays well, he is he's exactly in the same mold as DCE, right? Because him him and DCE came in they got their chance in origin after all the greats walked out, right? And that's when Queensland started losing. So the two names that are always tied into New South Wales dominance are DC and Ben Hunt because they've never, I guess they've never dominated an origin and they've been in probably weaker Queensland teams and New South Wales have had stronger teams. So it's almost a bit like the Mitchell Pearce thing, right? Like Mitchell Pearce was always the face of losing on origin and it's, it's been a stigma that's going to stick around with him for his entire career and when people look back at his career. But with Ben Hunt, like it, it starts back at 2015, right? When we all know what happened. He dropped the dropped the kickoff in the in the grand final. Right. Yeah. The Cowboys won two plays later. Um but it's just been something that's followed him around ever since then. Yeah. And like like yeah, like I was saying before, whenever he's he plays well, someone in the comments just has to throw that up and just I said it to Jared and you guys in the in the group chat last week, and part of it was like, I don't know. I, my first thought when Munster went out, I thought Hunt was going to play six. He didn't, but I just had this feeling that uh, that it was his moment. Like, mm-hmm. it was his moment to 
prove that he is a big game player and to what was um I think it's something to do with his legacy, but like fulfill his legacy essentially. Like this is what people are going to remember him by, not necessarily the drop in 2015. And um like even again this morning I was watching him and I was almost getting a bit emotional because like, I was just you could just see the joy and the relief. And then you listen to what Billy Slater and DCE have to say about him. And that is, they had, they couldn't, they ran out of words to describe the impact he has on that team. Yeah, um, he, he, I, I was. I think it's funny that all three excited. of us um, had him as the best dummy half for the series. And he was the only one who's not a dummy half <laughs> um, out of <laughs> him, Grant, Cook and Coruscant. And yeah. It just shows how much of a footballer he is. So that that tied it up for Queensland. Um, in the key positions, it was it was one like you look at the spine in the final game. Uh, Ponga and Tedesco were pretty much a wash uh, with Ponga getting the the nod in this game. Um, Cherry Evans outplayed Cleary, did now outplayed Luai, and Hunt and. Grant outplayed Coruscant and Cook. Um, the rest of the team, and I think I said it after the game, and I said it, this is in comparison to game two. This was the only game of the series to me where both teams, whole teams, played. Uh, sorry, how am I going to phrase? This is the only game of the three where I think the team won as opposed to a couple of individuals who were complete, like were outstanding and other individuals went completely missing. I think every single player on the field last night had an impact on the game in some way. Um, in game two, the scoreline showed um, New South Wales is a much better team, but breaking it all down, it was Tedesco and Cleary, um, literally ripping Queensland apart with their class in the first game. There were Maroons who went missing as well as New South Wales Blues who went missing. And it was the same couple of, it was again, a couple of people who got Queensland across the line. I think last night, both teams showed what they had because if New South Wales didn't and with how Queensland were playing, it could have been a scoreline like game two, but they bought in and they defended so well. And I was, even though I was worried as a Maroon supporter, even when we were playing the better footy, that we didn't have enough because we knew what they could do. And then the efforts from the Queensland side all over the field allowed for Ponga to have that one moment and then allowed for, or didn't allow Cleary to have moments. The kick pressure was back on him in this game. And I don't know. It just, it just had a different oh, feel last night. It just... This game just sort of sums up the way Billy Slater. Like yeah, he played. The first time I, well, not just that, but the first time I heard him speak, like a week before the first yeah, Origin, right. Origin yeah, Andrews I remember team, talking about that. He, he was just so much about, he just wants people to be themselves. Like they've, they've been picked because they've been playing the way they are. So you're going to continue playing that way. It was not about, one or two players are bigger than anyone else, right? Like, and then you could just had a feeling when Munster got out, like the I guess the when Munster, who's our most probably influential player, you just had this feeling that he was going to, you know, not just make everyone like 
put it on two or three people to step up. It was, this has to be a team that wins this game. Like that's just the, the way it's, that's just the way it's seemed. And I don't know, it's just, you, you couldn't, you could go through that entire, well, probably 15 players because two got knocked down the first four minutes, but you couldn't find a bad player in that Queensland team. And they were all hungry. They were all looking to make the, the little plays. Like there, there was no one taking a shortcut out there. And I do. that's origin. And that's why New South Wales don't get origin. And again, didn't they? <laughs> uh, before we go to our teams, I just want to enter some stats. So I think a lot of people were shocked when people started throwing these out last night. Uh, possession swing was 52-48. Queensland had the ball for an, a minute and a half more. Uh, they were, but their completions were much. So both teams had 41 sets. Uh, Queensland completed 34, New South Wales 30. Uh, all runs, New South Wales had 210, Queensland had 209. So New South Wales, uh, New South Wales had more run meters overall and more post-contact meters by almost 100 meters. It was quite a margin. Queensland, six line breaks of two. That was one of the biggest, one of only three where there's a big gap. Uh, tackle breaks, New South Wales was winning that. Offloads, 18 to nine, Maroons over Blues, and that created uh, a fair bit of havoc. So that was one of the other uh, big differences. And then obviously the kick meters I've already mentioned. Um, New South Wales had three, four strikeouts to one. And the tackles made, Queensland actually made more tackles than New South Wales did, which through the eye test, it didn't feel that way watching it. It didn't look that way. And that's why I say to Jared that you do a blend between stats and I watch the game first and then I look back on things and it, it can fill in some blanks and sometimes it creates more questions. I didn't remember yeah. it being this. What was the um, What was the percentage of field position? And that's the one thing the NRL don't put up. And that's the one thing that I would love to see because yeah. I think that's where the big difference is going to be. You'd have to look at the heat map. So I'm going to jump over to rugby league eye test um, on the weekend and have a look at his breakdown of the game when it goes up, the match report. Um, we'll probably be able to bring that in on round 18 wrap. If you want to have a look at that yourself, rugbyleagueeyetest.com. Um, awesome, awesome stuff there. So Queensland win it 22 to 12. Pat Carrig, uh, man of the match, Kalen Ponga, man of the series, um, Pat Carrigan. And we had Why a, couldn't we had it a, have been Ben Hunt? Yeah, we had a discussion about this, uh, that there were multiple players, in my opinion, that were deserving of the man of the series. Uh, Carrigan was one. Uh, Tedesco, no, to me, was the front runner leading into this, and he did his chances no harm in this game. Uh, I have my reasons for why I don't think he ended up getting it. But Wall had a an idea about how they could maybe tinker with the scoring system. So the Wally Lewis medal is a 3-2-1 basis, the same as most of as the NRL games going into Dally M. Um, so three points, two points, one point are awarded to the three best players on the field. That's added up to get your overall series winner. Now, if you remember back to 2019, Billy Slater won it despite only playing two games out of the three. Uh, so that's that's um, still there. You have to play a minimum of two out of the three games. If two players are tied on points at the end of the series, there is an independent judge who comes in, an ex-origin player, or origin grade, actually. They never mentioned who it is. 
um, who decides and has a split vote. What was your idea? Well, well, I, I guess really like a bit of background. Yeah, a bit of background on why or where this came from was because I was getting sick of arguing with Jared. <laughs> I, um, he doesn't understand the three, two, one. <laughs> um, there's no, there's no criteria for people's opinion, as Jared said to me. Um, when I was just asking what the criteria was of the Volleyless Medal, which is three, two, one, based on people's opinions. <laughs> um, anyway, and and he said that Tedesco had to get it, which is an opinion. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so I was having a bit of a think and, and my personal opinion, I thought Tedesco, Tedesco probably was the best player across the three games, um, probably closely followed by Ponga and then Carrigan's in the discussion as well. They're, 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 that's my opinion. Um, but I guess working my way through what the three, two ones would have been, it's, I don't think there's a real reward for the players that do play well because you look at in the losing. There's team. always a winner's, yeah, yes. There's always a winner's bias, right? Yeah. Um, and you you look at game one, Tedesco was probably top three on the field, but yeah. I, I don't think he actually would have got a vote. I think it would have been Munster, Carrigan, and Wyden. But there's, I reckon, look it, at, I reckon it would have been Munster, Carrigan, and Holmes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you look at, but what if you see White and you see Tedesco there? You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't bat an eyelid at that because they were both no. unbelievable. Yeah. So my my thought was, maybe they should go a three-two-one from each team, and then the team that wins, their points double. So essentially, you get more reward for influencing a win. So in yeah. that case, if the three-two-one was Munster Carrigan. And say Val Holmes, six four two for those. Whiten gets three, Tedesco gets two, Damien Cook gets one, whatever it is. So then that way you're getting a true reflection of, you know, not it's not always going to be the the top three player across the three games is going to be your best best player of the series, I don't think. I don't think that's a true reflection of what the man series is. Yeah, I, I really like that's, that. That's so uh, it might not change the result at all. Carrigan might still win it, but I think there's more reward there for, and I know like it, it almost sounds like it's a bit juniors. Oh, this person didn't get picked in the top three, but they were really good also. That, so we have to cater for them. But um, I don't necessarily think so. Like generally you can look at, there's always at least three good players from each team that are in the discussion to get, like even in game two, like you could look at, a handful of Queenslanders that still had really good games. Carrigan was another one. Ponga. Ponga had an absolute unbelievable second game. Collins. So that Collins strong as well. Um so I don't know, it's just it's just a thought I had. I haven't really thought that much into it, but it could be something to bring in and so you had an idea you didn't put too much thought into it and you want to put it in. You can work for the NRL. Love it. <laughs> I'll just so. give Landy's a call and see if he can pop it in. That's it. Uh, so Carrigan becomes the first debutant to win the Wally Lewis medal and the first forward since 2015, uh, Corey Parker, uh, was the winner then. So congratulations to Paddy Carrigan. Congratulations to the three Man of the Match award winners, which are Cam Munster, Nathan Cleary and Kalen Ponga. Oh, Cleary. Yeah, not Cleary. All right. We'll have... We haven't 
quite finished. We'll do our teams. We'll have a quick break before we do that. And then we'll wrap up the Tigers stuff pretty quickly. They're going back in time. And then uh, we might pick probably four most meaningful games for round 18. Otherwise, this will go for ever. All right. All right. Before we do our teams, we'll just go over those charges we mentioned earlier. So Tino, Fasimo Wiley, Dane Gago, and Matt Burton have all entered early guilty pleas. So Fasimo Wiley was fined 13% of his origin fee for the high tackle and 7% of his fee for dangerous contact. Uh, Gago and Burton both fined 23% of their match fees. So they ended up paying more than uh, Tino did. So they're the charges coming out of origin. Um, the injuries as well. So Selwyn Cobo, Lindsay Collins, Ken Murray were all grade ones or category ones. So they're all ruled out for 18, uh, round 18. Uh, yeah, cool. So I think um, I think Gyro would have had a just as sore ahead this morning oh, as those three, though. Yes. <laughs> you have not seen the, the footage of interviewing him. Um, if he gets in trouble for that, it's ridiculous because... Seriously, what are you doing there the morning after a game like that? Uh, he swapped his shorts for a cane toad hat and the shorts were, let's say, quite a bit too small for him. But they, oh, the ones that he was wearing, uh, the compression ones yesterday morning. But yeah. Uh, at 6.30 in the morning. Mm, oh, respect. man. What's funnier, that or John's comments on the panel? Better than Lego. <laughs> oh, Joey. <laughs> Joey Johns. Oh, my gosh. Oh, How pissed was he? Yeah. Jeez. And Ken Smith's reaction. <laughs> yeah. I um I commented on one of the posts on because I was on a bit of a bit of a troll last night. And I saw That's a surprising. post and I was like, yeah, I'm like, he's just filthy that Ben Hunt's a better seven and nine than he ever was. <laughs> uh, Actually, just done. Yeah, just on that. Um, yeah, Benny Taylor, one of the listeners, slid into my DMs last night. And um, what was his message? Um, I just wanted to DM the biggest Ben Hunt fan page I know of, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, what a prediction, obviously, because I said that this would be the, the game where Ben Hunt sort of fulfills his legacies and rights his wrongs. Well, and I said, when you make his... When you make as many Ben Hunt predictions as I do, you're bound to get a couple right. That's it. <laughs> That's like me with DC. There we go. Um, yeah. Broken clocks right twice a day. And I want to shout out to Bluey, uh, the TV show, hence what I based yes. my tip off. And if you actually go back and watch that episode, the game played out almost as the Bluey episode did with New South Wales uh, leading at halftime and Queensland coming home stronger. And that's how the episode played out, except there was no unconscious dogs on the screen. <laughs> All right. So let's go through our, our teams of the series. Now, how this is going to work is uh, it's going to take majority. Uh, majority vote will end up with our final team. And we're not really going to compare it to the NRL one. I thought it was going to be a fun task, but it's completely ridiculous. They've got Tino as one of the best uh, players. And Jeremiah Nanai. And we're like, well, that's not really a true reflection, in our opinion. Yeah, so they've got best second rower for the series. Uh, Kurt Cable first, Jeremiah Nanai second, Liam Martin third. Um, yeah, that, I think that's enough there. Oh, best lock. 
Tino over Isaiah Yo, and that's just yeah, that's just incorrect. So we're not going to compare that. So between the three of us, fullback and Nick and Jared both went with Tedesco. I went with Ponga. Um, it was the only one on the NRL page that kind of made sense. The split was 51%, 49%. And the only reason I ended up giving it to Ponga was he had a greater hand in the actual point scoring in the series than Tedesco did. And while Tedesco was really good in game three, um, I'm sure he'd give back a hundred of those running meters to have set up a trial, be involved in the scoring play because well, that's it is his running meters this time were coming off his own trial line instead of in attack down the yeah. other end, which is what, what he did again too. So, yeah. Yeah. And what he does, what he did was awesome. Like, but I also look at, and we'll get to Tupo in a second, but yeah. Teddy, Teddy and Ponga. So between us, um, Tedesco was our state of origin fullback. Uh, the wings, both Jared and Nick had 2-0 and Tupo. I had 2-0 and Cobo. Um, 2-0, like, speaks for himself. reason I didn't put Tupo in is he had a great game two. Cobo had a great game one. Cobo was knocked out in this game, obviously. But to me, a lot of Tupo's running meters, again, which is his biggest stat, were coming off his own line in this game. And not once in the entire series did he have a line break, a line break assist, or even engage the line. So to me, he had no, almost nothing to do in attack. And most of it was running the ball back from his own half. I don't, and see, I don't, I don't think, think Cobo had – Cobo had one highlight play. That's one more than two, Bo. <laughs> Honestly, I, I thought Corey Oates had more impact in one game than what Cobo did across the whole series. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, Cobo had, Cobo had a great game one. but. His game two was what shocking. you'd expect of a rookie winger. Tupo, yeah, Tupo was solid game one, outstanding game two. He was pretty good yesterday, considering he made that one error, which was a costly error. And that's the one Give him a try people, for that. People glorifying the error rather than the good work that he did yesterday. But he, like, he was battling in cramp. He was there cleaning up so much shit for them yesterday. Um, I thought he was better than Ty yesterday. All right, there you yeah. go. You swayed me. Well, you guys have both got these ones so far. So it's Teddy right. to O Tupo. And um, Holmes for one of the centers. That was a lock. And then Jared and Nick both went white. Um, and I tried to stay true to mine. You've got to be in at least two games to get a vote. And so I went, you know what? Whiten didn't do much in game two. Uh, but Technically, it's in the game three squad. No, it was too. <laughs> Uh, Gagai didn't do anything in game two, um, nor did Gagai do anything in game one. But again, White didn't do anything in game three. <laughs> so I went Gagai versus White and had one awesome game each. Uh, Gagai's was last night. Whiten's was uh, game one. So I went Gagai on the dead rubber that he actually oh. played in three games. <laughs> and he ended up on the wing. <laughs> and he ended up on the wing. Um, so yeah, it's White in there as well. So our back line so far is Teddy, Tupo, Holmes, White and Tuo. Um, the halves are I think pretty... that's a fair reflection, though, to be yeah. fair. Like, you compare, like, the work that the... And once again, we're rewarding the work more so than the flashy stuff, but the whole New South Wales game plan is built around that back five and the metres that they make. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, you could say what kind of let them down was a little bit of polish in game one and game two, where both games were there to be won, but the halves didn't stand up in either of those. And Munster was the pick of all three of us for 5'8". 
Uh, Nick and I picked Cherry Evans as halfback. Uh, Nathan's still on the Cleary. Um, not gave Cleary I, his support I, for halfback of the series. Yeah, I um, like it wasn't DCE by a long way, but what happened last night pushed pushed him across the line for me. Um, I think the all the, the halfbacks all series were a reflection of the way the game was played, though. Like the the half that was on the back foot in every game lost, yeah. and that's that's footy. And people are coming up to Cleary. I don't think Cleary could have done much more. Yeah, he had a couple of opportunities close to the line that he didn't nail. He's still um, got a try assist with his driver. People but. still like how young into his career is he at the moment, Cleary? And it's it's almost like the Tedesco thing, like they've got such high standards of him that yeah. they expect perfection every time he's involved. And you don't you don't master being a playmaker until you're like 20. So he's still got a long way to grow. Mm-hmm. Um I thought he was he was one of their best again. Um but yeah, the DCE just that's the best game he's ever played in origin and probably one of the best games he's ever played. And he's still, career, I think. I said that Cherry Evans for Queensland to win Cherry Evans gotta have one of those games. If he's going for a 40 20, he's got to get the 40 20. If he's kicking in goal, he has to kick it in goal. And then two of his grubbers didn't make it in goal and one of his 40 20 or his 40 20 10 didn't pull up. And one of my students today is trying saying 40 oh Terrence can't even kick a 40 20. I was like Look, look back in the NRL over the last three or four seasons. He's the number one 40 20 kicker every season. He's the mm. best in the comp at getting them consistently. Um, and he wasn't trying to kick 40 20s in the second game. They were just trying to get it down the other end. Um, Hunts yeah. was a definite attempt and he nailed it. The other sort of game one and game three. He didn't win the game for Queensland, but he was definitely one of the contributing factors to them winning and a noticeable one. Um, so for prop, uh, Nick and I went with Payne Haas and Pat Carrigan. Um, Jared went with Cotter and Carrigan. Um, awesome game one. I couldn't put him in because he didn't play two games. Um, to be fair, he, he played more minutes than Papali did in the entire yeah, series in one game. That's true. Papali was the biggest disappointment of... He was good last night. Yeah, he was, but... For his standards, we um, and Ben Hunt was at all three of our dummy halves, considering he's the only dummy half who isn't actually a dummy half, but that's how good a series he had. Uh, we all had yo as the lock. Um, uh, all right, so in the starting second row, Nick and I both had Kafusi, um, Jared and I both had Murray. Uh, Nick had Capewell and Jared had Crichton. So that's going to end up with Kafusi and Murray as the second row. So the back row will be Kafusi, Murray, Yo, which coincidentally is my back row. So oh, I got to keep my I whole thought, forward um, pack. Excellent. Yeah. And I yeah, thought Kafusi. That was, that was uh, Kafusi's best series. Sorry. Yeah, that was Kafusi's best series in a long time. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I was one of the ones who, who voted about not having him in this series based on his performances for Melbourne this year. But um, game one especially was his best game of the whole season for me. Uh, the bench maker, uh, Jared couldn't what? find a spot for Harry Grant. He went with Apisai Coruscant. Uh Nick and I both had Grant, so Grant staying. Uh, all three of us had Paulo for a spot on the bench uh, after game one where he was very disappointing. Game two, he was outstanding uh, coming off the bench game last night. He was really good as well, making some very tough meters. 
Um, now this is where things are going to get interesting. Nick had Collins on the bench. I had Collins on the bench. So All right, so he's going to stay. And now the final position, I had Stephen Crichton. Jared had Crichton in his starting side. Jared had what? Yes, Stephen Crichton or Angus Crichton? Angus Crichton. Oh, my God, sorry. Yeah, oh, Angus Cr- I had Angus Crichton on the bench. Jared had him in his starting side. Nick didn't have him at all. Jared's got Payne Haas on his bench, but we've already got Haas. So we'll cross that one off. He had Kafusi as well. We've already got him. Uh, it was my last spot. So you had Murray. And we've both got Murray oh, in the starting side. So I guess it's Crichton. Then. So, yeah, there he goes. To, yeah, all right, Angus Crichton. So the state of origin team is Tedesco, Tuo, Holmes, White and Tupo, uh, Munster, Cherry Evans, Haas, Hunt, Carrigan, Kafusi, Murray, Yo. And the bench is Harry Grant, Paulo, Crichton and Collins. Yeah. So. Sweet as. So out of those three, and then, uh, yeah, cool. That's a pretty strong squad. All right, guys, there's your Australian team pick. To be honest, he could have almost had Kurt Capewell at centre because he played two games, majority at centre, and he was probably better than the other options. (laughs) Yeah, could have, actually. Anyway, flip him up there. See you, White, and he only played one game. You're out. Oh, my gosh. Origin done and dusted for another year. Yeah, uh, all right. Yeah, good. Now, and, and to quote Joey, they uh, get to listen to our bullshit for the next 12 months. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. If you haven't seen that, just type in Andrew John's origin comment. It's hilarious. You could just see how angry and filthy he is. He's just like, yep. They made the big plays. That's what origin's about. That's what origin's about. And we're fortunate. So like, what was the one thing? So, yeah, now we listen to all this bullshit. Oh, for a second. oh so good. Anyway, <laughs> injuries going into round 18. Uh, Downward Tenny Zelezniak is out with COVID. Ron Volkman's been rested after being of a virus. Bazaran and fractured eye socket is out till round 21. Uh, Stacey Jones will not be with his team after returning positive COVID test. We talked about Ravalawa being out for eight to 10 weeks, unfortunately. Aaron Shoup is out for the Bulldogs because of COVID. Uh, Grant Anderson for the Storm, expected to miss a week with an elbow sprain. Alex Johnson, quarter Mark Nichols concussion have been named to return, while halfback Lachlan Ilias will also play after suffering concussion last week. Uh, Braden Best is out after injuring his thumb, as well as the three out of origin as well. So... We'll just cover some signings, the West Tigers stuff. So Josh Alloway has signed a new two-year deal uh, to remain with Manly till the end of 2025. I honestly thought he was older than what he is. I was like, oh, do we really want to give him another two years? He's only 25. I thought he was like 30 or something. Anyway. (laughs) Tough 25 years. Tough 25. Uh, Cody Nicarima has signed him with the Dolphins. Um, Dragons have re-signed Michael Molo and will promote the 25-year-old from his current training contract to the club's top 30. Congratulations, Michael. He'll remain at the club till the end of 2024. And I think we spoke on the last one that Matt Moylan has extended his stay at the Shire for a further two years. What, what, anything on the Michael Molo re-signing? I was going to say, he, um, he's another one of those guys that's 
applied away in reserve grade for a long time. And I think he was part of the, was it Norths or Redcliffe he played for? But he was part of the Premier Whoever won last year, I think he was part of that. And that's another guy that has worked hard on a training trial and he's been rewarded for it. And um, the first week we were allowed to pick someone outside of your top 30, he, he got picked because he yes. was just absolutely killing it in reserve grade. And um, I think he's perfectly suited to the way the game's played now. He's mobile, good ball player. I think, um, yeah, I think he's a pretty good um, pretty good signing, especially a bit of depth and he's someone that could fill a spot in the 17 and, and not let you down. Uh, I'm pretty stoked with the Josh Alloway signing. When he's been healthy, he's played really well for Manly. Uh, Marty Tapao be moving on. Paseca will be there. Um, Alec Tuti Kabe. I'm hoping he'll get a run next year as well. All right. West Tigers. So West Tigers hired Tim Sheens to come in as a, what was he, director of football position and do a review of the club. At the end of his review, um, a head coach disappeared. Another head coach is now gone, and um, the spot's open up for him to now coach. That's the conspiracy theory of all conspiracy conspiracy theories. Oh gosh! So, seventeen years after is that, is that a conflict of interest? Oh, <laughs> I you me to come in. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, shit. I'm the new coach. The only that's it. I'm the only person worthy of. Yeah. Um, so he's going to take over as head coach in 2023, um, bringing Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah with him. Sheens will assume the role of head coach for the next two years, with Marshall then assuming the role of head coach in 2025 through to at least the end of 2027. It's amazing that a club that has had the turmoil they have can see that far into the future. I'm sure that they'll stick by it all too. Uh, uh, the set, he's 71. Uh, the 71-year-old will take the range from interim coach Brett Kamali, who was placed in the role after West Tigers terminated contract with Michael McGuire. I don't really know what to make of this one yet. Um, West Tigers CEO Justin Pascoe said it's about, it's about having West Tigers DNA surging through the club. And it's about putting together a rock solid coaching plan for the next five years. This is a very clear path forward for this club. And we're delighted to have Tim, Benji and Robbie reunited for the next phase of our club's growth. I love the, okay. Behind it. Thank you. That's yeah. I was going to say sentiment as well. There's definitely sentiment behind this. And I, I referenced my, the ice hockey team I support quite a lot in the Detroit Red Wings. And we we're in a position of the Tigers where we weren't very good. But, and the GM that we had didn't look like we we're going to get good anytime soon. The GM that we brought in was our club's previously longest serving captain, a Hall of Fame player, and had been a GM at another team for eight years and had turned them into a back to back cup winners. And then he came back to Detroit. The difference between him and Sheens is he was coming straight off assembling a team that went on to win back-to-back championships and is stocked up for years to come with talent, smart decisions in roster management and signing. And they are an absolute wagon of a club. He wasn't there for their championships, but 
80 or 90 percent or something like that of their roster was constructed through his decisions that filled me with lots of confidence when he came back to my club tim sheens has had experience he's had success in the nrl he's not bringing anything current with him that's the concern i've got um i guess the most current thing he's bringing is benji marshall having played in the the league up till last year obviously and him and robbie farrow the the best minds that the West Tigers have had with regards to players for easily recent history or since the West Tigers inception. Um, that's going to help. Will it translate into success? Obviously yet to be I seen. I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know. I'm thinking it, it might get them. It sounds like a bit of an insult actually, but, and it might get them sort of playing like the Bulldogs did under Dean Pay, right? Like they they played with an attitude and like they 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 didn't lose based on effort every week. And that's where I probably see Wes under Sheens. Like I don't see him sort of revolutionising them with the game plan. And and I guess that's where maybe Benji and Robbie Farrow come yeah, in. Yeah, because I was going to say, they're not going to come into the armrest or grind Play, no, with, but, uh, play with grit sort of thing because that wasn't yeah. really their forte. Yeah. But uh, the issue is the effort across 80 minutes has been that issue for, yes. what, 10 years since they last made the finals. Like You can't fault. Um, yeah. I guess it gives them a clear vision, that's true, but I just don't understand how a club like West, who have gone through five, six coaches in 10 years, have now committed to the next five years of a plan. And they've got no idea how this is going to work. Like, with all the respect, Tim Sheen's, yeah, he's well-respected in the game. I don't see him being someone that a lot of young players are going to be like, oh, sweet, I can't wait to go play for Tim Sheen's. I don't think he's going to have that yeah. appeal. Yeah. Um, I'm happy for Ben. See what's play. happening with Wayne um, Bennett at, at the Dolphins. Yeah, see, I think that's probably a bit different, though, because I don't think anyone wants to actually be part of the foundation club where they don't have it doesn't look like they're ready to immediate success. Well, and they're, and they're the people just using them. No, definitely not. Um, but the with the dolphins, I think the way they've just been used as like a bargaining tool because people are happy where they are, but they're trying to get more money out of their own clubs. So like, oh the dolphins want me, they're offering me this much money and then they get paid more. Wayne but, Bennett was one of their big selling points. Come and be coached yeah. by Wayne Bennett. Yeah, but once again, not many people coming off contract. Their hands are tied by who's on contract at the end of yes, this year. True. And there's no, there's not really many big fish there. Anyway, back to the Tigers. I, I'm sort of torn 50-50 on this one because yeah. I've, got, I've got a soft spot for Benji. He's someone that you, you respect in the game and he's been through the ups and downs of the career. He's, he, he is someone that it would... And I've I've said this before, but I feel like a lot of kids, a lot of young kids benefit from people like Benji who have been through everything in their career, mm. like season-ending injuries. He left the sport, came back, and no one wanted a bar of him. He then like he's won a premiership. He's been the young kid that every kid wanted to be, and then he's gone all the way down to the very bottom. So he's experienced everything in the game, and I think that's something that is very under underrated that 
the effect that can have on people because how many kids crack it in the NRL and they just think they've made it? Like, I think that would be a very... Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And um, so I'm happy for him in that regard. And he's so passionate about West and he probably hasn't been treated the best by West in the previous years. It's it's almost a chance for him to sort of write the, what's happened in the past, Mm -hmm. but I just hope he doesn't fall into the same trap of what's happened the last coaches. It's just this career back coaching was, you know, people have gone to West and they've gone to the dogs and, you know, for their first crack in coaching and then doesn't go well, they get a line put through them and you'll never see him again as a head coach. Like that's what I hope doesn't happen. So Trent Barrett, he got a second crack. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's it's one of those things that appeal to the West biggest diehards. Yeah. But it's almost like it's it's not a PR stunt, but it's almost like it's a almost a bit like when they hired Kevy right at the Broncos. Like, oh yeah, we're bringing in a Broncos mm. old boy back. Like, and and it was just to like almost silence everyone just for a bit. And I think that's what they've almost done here. It's just about trying to silence the fans by bringing in some old favourites and just enough, buy them enough to get through this the year and then start fresh. There's no, there's Definitely going to be, be interesting. No the, there's there's going to be no talk about the board anymore. There'll be For the rest of the year, there'll be no talk about the board because they've got Tim Sheens and they've got a plan and they've got the, the Tigers legends back. Yeah, it's bought them, They've bought themselves time. I love, I love looking at it like that. It's, um, yeah, very calculated way of looking at it. Well, I, I can definitely jump on board with that. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Luke Brooks now uh, because if you see the West Tigers lineup this weekend, Dewey's got his way. He's playing 5-8 after throwing up a little tansy. Um, but in saying that, he, he also knows what his value is. Um, Jackson Hastings is playing lock this weekend uh, with... Luke Brooks staying in the at halfback. Uh, sorry, moving back to halfback. I lose track with those two. So let's jump on to round 18. Uh, the NRL kicks back off this weekend, starting Friday night. So it's already 10 o'clock here. We've been going for a while already. So how about we uh, go through four games and just do a brief overview of the other four? So we're just going to... So we'll kick things off with the first game of Friday night. We've got Cowboys in second position versus the Sharks in fourth position. And the Sharks curse hits again. Another top of the table clash with the Sharks involved where we're not going to have anywhere near full strength squads taking on each other. Sharks will be pretty close. Cowboys are going to be missing a few. I'm sure the Sharks aren't complaining. No, I'm sure they are not. Uh, Todd Payton's come out pretty early and said, Jeremiah Nanai, um, Murray Tulagi, Tom Dearden, and Valentine Holmes are all out. Um, Murray Tulagi, obviously, with COVID. So his uh, week period hasn't won't have finished, whereas Cam Munster's would have. So he'll be playing for the Storm. Uh, the other three arrested from Origin, and Jordan McLean's out so still with that hamstring injury that ruled him out of Origin. Uh, Brighton Akora and Aiden Tolman are both suspended, I believe, from last week. Um, and Sirsopper Talakai has been named to back up on the interchange. So the Cowboys interchange, Tom Chester comes on. 
I believe this will be his debut. And Luciani Leilua is off the bench with Connolly Lamelu keeping his position in second row. And Tom Gilbert named to back up. Uh, I believe that would have been before he had to play 78 minutes of origin. So he's still one to keep an eye on. Um, have a look in the reserves for the Cowboys. Riley Price and Kane Bradley. Bradley. So I'm not I have to look into them. All right. What are we thinking? And this one's up in North Queensland. So, oof. Um, Sharks have gotten on a bit of a roll lately. They've got the world's biggest bench this week with Cam McInnes, Braden Hamanuela, Andrew Fafida, and Talakai. Uh, I guess Cam McInnes is your utility there. Uh, yeah. Well, you got Talakai can play pretty much everywhere. So, that's true. So for the Cowboys, Brendan Elliott comes in on the wing for his second start of the season, and Ben Hampton has been named at 5'8 to partner Chad Townsend. Uh, that puts Fidel into the centres. Oof. This could be fun, this game. It really could. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to be on a high after Queensland origin win, and so much of their squad being involved in that. They're going to bring a hell of a lot of enthusiasm tied he- and sore heads back into camp. Uh, back home, and I could see the Cowboys getting on board with that and really rallying around it, going, let's win it for our origin, boys. Um, they gave it their all Wednesday night. We can back something like that up in front of their home fans. On the other side, you've got Sharks, who have been playing really damn well lately. You've got arrested Nico Hines. Uh, it wouldn't have taken too much out of Talakai's, and their back line has just been purring lately with Matty Moylan, uh, in the best form since he left Penrith, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Sharks are great value at dollar ninety five with Cowboys missing pretty much all of their Origin players. So, so my little, my little sentiment, up. enthusiasm <coughs> boost thing didn't didn't uh, you? Nah. In saying that, in saying that, I keep tipping against the Sharks and I keep winning, so I'll probably tip them and they'll lose. Um, yeah, I think Sharks got too much. They're, I think their outside backs have got too much for them. The the outside backs of the Cowboys missing Holmes Talangi concerns me a bit. Yeah. Um, did and yeah, like Chad Townsend will be up for it. Like he's in probably his best form since the Sharks won the grand final, and he's playing against his old club that booted him midway through last year. So he'll have a point to prove. Um, but I think the Sharks have got him. Yeah, well, Cowboys are turning North Queensland into a pretty hard place to go and play. Uh, oh, finally, yeah. After the first two years of it not really doing anything, I'm going Sharks as well. I'm not going to be surprised in the slightest if the Cowboys get up for a win, because uh, it's Sharks are winning without playing like that. When they were winning at the very start of the season, they were a different team that, than what's winning now. They win in a different way, but they're not as um, clinical yet. It's still a little bit there, but I think they, I agree. I think they'll have too much strike power out wide. Uh, Eels are taking on Warriors on the second game on Friday night. Um, Combank. Uh, we're not really going to go into that one. Uh, we got, I'm going Eels in this. They're $1.12 favourite over the Warriors at $6.50. Eels by 20. I think, um, well, 20 parts. I think. This year, I said they'll click in gear, and 
not necessarily this week, but this is where they'll start building for the back end of the year. I've, I've said the entire season I'm not worried about the Eels because they've already proven to themselves that they're good enough. It's just about getting the timing right. And like what you said, what the start of the podcast, you said, I don't care about what happens in round 14. I care about what happens at the end of the season. And they've got themselves in a position, they're, what, they're sitting sixth. Um, they're within touching distance of the top four. They've proven they can beat the top teams. There's so much upside in this team that I, I just don't understand how anyone could put a line through. Yeah, and they were severely unaffected by Origin. So the only players they're missing yep. um, weren't, aren't even Origin related. <laughs> Off onto the Roosters versus Dragons, 3 p.m. on Saturday. Um, I always love the 3 p.m. games. I've had enough time to have a sleep if I wanted to. I can wake back up for it, ready to kick off a big night. Um, so Tedesco, Tupo uh, have been named. It still has Collins here named. He'll be ruled out. Uh, he has to miss the week. Uh, Crichton's named. So you have a look at their reserves. Matt Lodge um, would, I assume, slot into the Roosters squad, probably on the bench and Hargraves to move up front for Collins uh, with regards to Tedesco and... Tupo, it's interesting there because Manu's listed at 5'8 because of Luke Keery's concussion drama. So whether he goes back to fullback and maybe uh, Drew Hutchinson comes in at 5'8. Uh, he's played play. with Sam Walker a bit last year already. Sorry? Yeah, Teddy will play. Oh, what did I say? Oh, yeah, sorry. Whether, whether, he, yeah, whether he goes out or not. But... um. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm backing Tedesco to play as well. Yeah, I the... think he'll like it's getting to the point now where the Roosters have to start winning. Yeah, and this is this is one of those games. It's a four point game essentially because you're playing a team that's right next to you on the ladder. Yeah, ten first and, nine. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. I I can't see him wanting to sit this out, especially after the way Origin went down. Um, and that scares me. I'm so mortified as to what Tedesco is going to do to us on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> 300 metres, no points. There you go. You, you can handle that. Uh, for the Dragons, Ben Hunt's been named a backup uh, to partner Talatai Mone in the halves. Uh, Matt Fagai is on the wing. Cody Ramsey at fullback. Lomax and Sully in the centres with Tautau Monga on the other wing to come in for Ravalawa. Um, it's been a fair while since I've watched enough NRL to even remember what the Ford packs look like before the break. Uh, no, they're all the Packs got suspended. That's the... Also, Jack... Oh, he's been coming off the bench, hasn't he? Nah, so DeBellin moved up front and oh, that's just playing lock, but DeBellin's moved back to back to lock. Yeah, we got Jaden Hunt and Aaron Woods in on the bench with Josh Kerr and Moses Embai. Uh, in the reserves, they recently re-signed Michael Molo, Jaden Sullivan, Tyrell Sloan, uh, Josh Maguire, and Billy Burns. Oof. I, I Oof. don't have a good feeling about this game. What are you guys, 1-8 or 10? Nah, we, we were 7-10 of 10, then we got beaten last week. We um, Obviously, we're a different team with Ben Hunt there, and that game was there for the taking last week. We just couldn't capitalise on... But we didn't have the composure of of the halves to yeah. 
yeah, we gave away too many seven tactical sets and just let the Broncos off too easily. But um, for the first 40 minutes, we, our attitude was really good. It's probably the best line speed we had all year. We had played 20 minutes with 12 men. So the, the, the squad's there, but we haven't backed up well after Origin, which is weird because we've only got one player. Mm-hmm. And Ben Hunt is like, he, he'll, he'll back up and he, yeah. he gives everything, but we just don't seem to go with him after Origin. Like the last couple of years, he, we just haven't performed well since when he comes back. And um, yeah, I, we we ambushed the Roosters on Anzac Day, but I, I don't think that's going to happen today. Oh, on Saturday, sorry. I think um, the thought of Tedesco and Manu floating around our middle. Um, yeah. I think Manu oh, at five eight is something that they'll they're going to hold on as long as they can. Uh, if it well, keeps it, it gives them it, they're unstructured, right? As yeah. soon as he as soon as he gets involved, it gets away from that out the back out the back sweeping play, and he's just. He carves us every time. So him yes. around the middle, and then Tedesco popping off his hip. Don't feel bad. He does. Yeah, that I think. To a um, I think we could go down thirteen plus to be honest. Which, yeah, hurts to say. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm going Roosters in that one as well. And um, moves us on to the second game on Saturday. So all our all our teams will be done and dusted pretty early on on Saturday. We've got the Seagulls versing the Knights. I think this is another reason why Jared didn't come on this one. But anyway, rival time. So Seagulls versus Knights. I hate Eagles hate them. Knights hate us. It's brilliant. So 5.30 at Brookie, 8th versus 12th. Um, Sheridan's has been named to back up, uh, and I'm assuming that he will, as has Jake Trebojevic. Uh, for Manly and for Newcastle, Caelan Ponga. And Dane Gagai are both in the squad, as is Jacob Saifidi. Uh, Bradman Best, Matt Croker, and Tex Hoyer out for Newcastle. So just have a look, see if there's any changes here to the usual lineup. Not really. Oh, Jaden Braley is starting this week after getting coming back off the bench last week from that Achilles injury. Um, for Manly, Top Sipley starts up front with Sean Kepi. Uh, with Martin Tapao and Taniel Paseca coming off the bench with Josh Schuster and Dylan Walker. Uh, Kurt Mann retains his position at lock for the Knights. Uh, just having a look on the reserve. Oh, Josh Alloy has been named in the reserves for Manly, so keep an eye on that, whether there's a late switch. Uh, who that would be for is going to be quite interesting. I'm assuming it's probably going to be for Toff Sipley. Unfortunately, I prefer it to be Sean Kepi, but just keep an eye on that. And Ben Trebojevic is named as well. Jake Clifford, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, Heimel Hunt, and Leo Thompson all in the reserves for the Knights. Uh, odds on this one, $1.37 Seagulls, $3.10 for Newcastle. Oh, all right, I was waiting for I, um, in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, um, yeah. But you guys, are, the way you're playing at the moment is actually really impressive. I, I'm not saying you're playing as well as you were with Turbo, but he's probably playing as well as you have all year, to be yeah. honest, like even with Turbo. Um, Cod, uh, not Cotter, Gary's come in and, and done a really good job. Um, Kieran Foran is playing unreal for you at the moment. Your pack's doing a good job, which I, I still don't rate your pack on paper, but they're, they're all doing a good job. Um, 
yeah, I, I think he's a, I think he's going to end up making the eight the way he's playing at the moment. Knights are all over the shop. Um, they should have won that game nicely. That, that was there for the taking. They just let yeah. South do whatever they wanted once they got in front. And um, yeah, I, I can't see, I can't see them scoring enough points to beat you, especially at Boogie. Yeah, I'd hope so. I'll be pretty disappointed if Manly lose this one. Um, we're really starting to see the best out of Cooler. Well, not the best, actually. You're seeing him take strides. And if you're watching this game as a neutral, and if you're, sorry, if you're thinking of watching this game and you're a neutral and you most likely dislike both teams, if you are going to tune in, watch the Battle of Dom Young and um, Tui Pulotsu, two youngsters and who are both having really decent seasons, uh, especially Dominic Young. He was an interesting signing for the Knights and he's just getting better and better every week. So you've got some really young, exciting players with Kula Tui Pulotsu and Young there. Uh, and Ari Tuala having a pretty solid season for himself. But it's going to be really interesting to see the injection of Kalen Ponga back after such a performance. And I saw a lot of Newcastle fans go, well, can he do that for us week in, week out? It's a completely different beast origin. It's You really can't compare the two, but he's going to come back feeling sore, but also on top of yeah. the world as well. So do not be surprised oh, if he's the, in everything. Look at the players he's surrounded by in origin, right? Like all he has, like he just has to focus on himself. Whereas yeah. you can't question commitment this year or effort is the first few rounds of the year since he's signed the new contract he's given them everything he's had like yeah he's had a few head knocks and stuff like that and missed a few games but he's dangerous every time he touches the ball it's just there's more people on him in yeah. a game of NRL because there's no no threats around him yeah you can double with mark with all due respect yeah 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 uh, all right, so I think we're both going manly in that one. Titans versus Broncos at Seabus is the last game on Saturday night. Titans sitting 15th, Broncos 5th, Titans $3 outsiders, Broncos $1.39. Uh, it's hard to pass on the Broncos on this one. I went against them last week based on who they were missing and who the Dragons were missing, and I agree with well, yeah, Dragons did not do themselves any favours in that game, and should have come away with that one, or at least a lot better shot at that one. I'm going to take the Broncos again this week then. Jojo Fafita yeah. makes his debut for the Titans. Been very excited to see this youngster play. Uh, AJ Brimson at the back there with Tanner Boyd at 5'8". Uh, for the Broncos, everyone expected to back up. Uh, Payne Haas still out with those shoulder issues. I'm um, having a look here. Could be some late changes, a lot of experience on the Titans reserves who haven't been included. Um, but the big one for me, Ezra Mam and Reynolds versus Tanner Boyd and Toby Sexton uh, is where this one's going to be won and lost. It's the best pack that the Titans have put out for a while. Yeah, it is. Fafita, Fermor, Fasson Lowry. Boots finally going to run. Yes, and Fodder Waker. The Ford packs on paper. Trumps and Broncos, <coughs> I'm getting so Palacia, James, Walters, Hosking, Ricky, Hetherington. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the forward pack edge the Titans, albeit one that hasn't played together. Uh, halves to the Broncos and the back five. Oh, it's actually a bit of a wash. 
Brimson Avenue, Feeder and Hoyter, two youngsters. Stags and Lee take the cake over Herbert and Sammy, and then you got Pereira and Thompson. Like, bloody hell, I hope the Titans get up. That'd be awesome <laughs> for my view. But I, I think... Well, they, they blew a 22-4 lead last time. Mm. Last time they played, got run down. So the, there's something about these games. Titans have had a pretty good record the last few years against Broncos. Yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me to see them put something together. It's, yeah, I, I reckon it's probably one of the best teams they've put out for a while. I think Booth will give them a bit more of a steady influence at hooker. I can't believe it's taken them this long to give them a crack. Yeah, I can't even remember um, his style of play, honestly. Or maybe it's because it's... So it's like, been a while. It has been, but a yeah. While. But I, I'm still, I'm still tipping the Broncos. But the, it pains me to tip them uh, yeah. um, after last week, especially. Yeah. Oh, go Titans! <laughs> yeah, three dollars for the Titans as well. So if you're looking for some uh, value, all right, takes us to Sunday. I hope. Yeah, three games on the Sunday. We're not even going to break this one down. Tigers three dollars ten. Panthers dollar thirty seven. Kurt Falls and. Sean O'Sullivan in Sullivan. the halves for Penrith. Um, so just listen to this. Like Coruscant, To'o, Yo, Luai, Martin, Cleary and Crichton are all out. And I still think that they, they, well, I think they should win. Uh, still Edwards, Targo, May. Uh, Ford pack still pretty out. decent. And Fisher-Harris kick out. Leota. Um, Mitch Kenny solid enough. Matt Eisenhuth, um, Scott Sorensen coming off the bench with Spencer Lenu. We could have worse. For the Tigers, I do like the look of their back line more so than they have with Dewey at 5'8", Brooks at 7, Safatoa, Norfoluma and Laurie, the weak links there, Mamalo and James Roberts. Um, Jackson Hastings at lock, very intrigued. Don't know how it's going to work, fair. but it's intriguing. <laughs> He sort of plays that role as a halfback. Like, you know, he touches the ball every set and he's literally just setting the forwards up and getting them in the right parts of the field. So his role probably won't change that much apart from defending in the middle. That'll be the thing that really tests him. But I think he's just going to play as that middle, like as, as most locks do, but he's going to play as that middle link, but he's pretty much doing that anyway. So it might just free Brooks and Dewey up to both sort of play essentially a 5-8 role and just play a bit wider um, and then let Dane Laurie float around a bit more. So in attack, I can see it working, but defensively, I'm not sure how he's going to go. Um, yeah. But, you know, look, they've, they've got nothing to lose really, Wes. Yeah. So. In saying all that, I'm but going Wes. Are you actually? Yeah. I'm going Penrith. I also think, like, the high that the Queensland boys are going to bring back, that's a lot of sorry... Sad, probably pissed off players all coming back into the same team. Um, mm. and I don't know, it's a weird feeling. Uh, Storm and Raiders, dollar twenty-five for the Storm, four dollars for the Raiders. Uh, Brent Smith and Grant Anderson out for the Storm. Charles Noob Cookstar out, and Trey Mooney out for the Raiders. Uh, so Santa's out. I'm with the Raiders. You're paying four bucks. Yeah. Storm have dropped two in a row. Yeah, they're back in Melbourne, though. That's Still. big for them. It's pretty hard to go down there and win. Um, 
with uh, Fleece Kafusi back and not playing Origin is going to be quite fresh. Kenny Bromwich, Josh King at the starting lock position there. Uh, let's have a look. Ryan Sutton's going to be a big forward back battle. These are just two. Nelson Soffa Solomona against Tarpany is going to be brilliant. Um, off the bench, I think you'd give the edge there to the Raiders with Starling, Elliot Horsburgh. Oh, they've got James Schiller there as an outside back for some reason. Um, Corey Howard and Naira on the reserves for Canberra. Young Ton Mapia on the reserves for Melbourne. Oof. Oh, so who's coming back here? So it's just Harry Grant, Caboose. Oh, Munster. Oh, yeah, Munster, of course. One. All right, I'm going Melbourne. Yeah, I'm going Melbourne too. They don't drop three in a row. They will now. No. Yeah, <laughs> Well, Munster didn't play in the second one because of his, uh, did he? Against the Sharks. He didn't play. No. He didn't play. Did he? No, he wouldn't have. So, there you go. That's why. Yeah. And Jerome Hughes came out and said, we won't lose, so they won't lose. And then Bulldogs versus Rabbits. Barnstormer to finish off the weekend. Of, uh, 3.25 for the Bulldogs, $1.35 for the Rabbitohs. Uh, and all Origin players backing up, uh, bar Cam Murray, obviously, with that head knock. Uh, so who would maybe come in for him? Let's see who's, in, who's in the reserves there for the Rabbits. Let's have a look. Oh, you got Daniel Fafida, who's come over from the Roosters. Uh, Blake Taff is on the reserves as well. Shakai Mitchell, David Davey Mawale. So... I'd say it'd probably be Daniel Fafita and they'd move what Jed Cartwright into the starting pack, maybe. That second row. Jaira would go yeah, Jaira would go to law. Yeah. If, oh, if he's recovered from last night. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I keep thinking back to that clip. It's hilarious. Damien Cook there at dummy half. Uh, for the Bulldogs, to be the Penguin starting at lock. Where off oh, Tyler Mariners back to the interchange. I love what Avarillo's been doing. I love what Jacob Kraz has been doing. Uh, Shoop's been ruled out with COVID, so I'll need to bring someone in there. Uh, who's on there? Reserves. Declan Casey, he's an outside back, isn't he? Pretty yeah, sure. he played, um, played centre, centre last game and got, he's one that got knocked out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, keep an eye out there for late chat, but they do have time uh, to make any changes. Obviously, Troy Mitchell, third week back, so he'll be. Uh, looking to improve every week. And Isaiah Tass will be really up for this game, I'd say, after being part of the Bulldogs system, not really getting a crack with them. So he's been pretty good touch the last couple of games. I could, I could definitely see the Bulldogs pushing the rabbits if they can bring the form that they've been showing. But I think like last week, Rabbitohs were nowhere near their best, but they've just got so many points in them. That if it turns into a shootout, they'll have more than the Bulldogs will in the end. No, I, I think, um, yeah, I think Damien Cook would be the best player on the field. Yeah, I can see that too. I think, oh. um, yeah, yeah, he'll have a point to prove after Origin 3. I think Cookie, he'll be nice and fresh too. He didn't, have to, he didn't do much. Well, he, he wasn't up. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how I'm trying to rephrase it. He didn't get given much time there, yeah. No. That's it. Oh, I'm freaking exhausted. 
Yeah, I, I was exhausted. Yeah, I know. I was exhausted after watching the game last night. No, that's how tense it was. I, oh, I, I was physically. I was, yeah, just, I'd have a, I'd have power nap. I struggled through the day. I woke up this morning like feeling like I was hungover. I had three beers, and it was almost like it was an emotional come, but like the yeah. emotional come down from yeah. last night. I, I was wrecked to serve. I could barely keep my eyes open. I had to have a power nap when I got home. And, I'm got to work. I had my morning tea at 3.30, I think. I just did not yeah. stop to listen into break and to listen into break and just yeah, nuts. I'm ready to wrap this one up and I'm gonna I'll I'll play sleepwalk from my office to bed. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Looking forward to Monday's recap. Good luck to your dragons. Um yep. you know, I the roosters, I never obviously want them to do too well so yeah i'll be cheering for the dragons but i also need to get back on track with my tips um (laughs) (laughs) we tried to keep as much bias out as we could we didn't over talk anyone i don't think i'm sure jared will make up for it for you new south wales fans if you're disappointed in our slight celebratory celebratory recap is what I was trying to say. Yeah, I thought I, I thought okay. I was pretty tame on my Ben Hunt love tonight. So that's nice for a change. Me too. And um, yeah, I'm sure Jared will bring up the Australian um, team debate on Monday because that's just what he enjoys doing. So that's look right. forward to that one. See you next week. <laughs> See you. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.